God has called us here with a clear purpose. And God placed First Baptist Daytona Beach in Volusia County so Volusia County will know Jesus. The statement that we always want to say and know, we want to make it hard to go the hell from Volusia County. But here's the scary thought. The majority of Volusia County, are, they are not ready to stand before Jesus. We live in the eighth most lost region in the entire United States. More than likely, the neighbors that live around you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. So I believe God has brought all of us together for such a time as this to be the lighthouse to a community that desperately needs Jesus. First Baptist, I don't want to ever see us get sidetracked. I don't want to ever see us get weighted down in the weeds. I want us to be focused on loving Jesus Christ and loving our neighbor as Christ loved us. How many of you would believe, how many of you would say, time is short? Wouldn't it be great if the rapture of the church happened before we got out of here? Some of you would be left, though. Some of you, if Christ were to rapture his church out of here, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, I believe if the rapture of the church took place right now, some of you are not ready. Before this hour is up, why don't you come and commit your life to Christ? For some of you, if the rapture of the church took place right now, you're a Christ follower, but you're just kind of stumbling in your faith. I pray that you'll move from stumbling in your faith. I pray that you'll move to be passionate about what God's passionate about. I pray that you just won't shake hands with the Word of God, but I pray that you will embrace the Word of God. Here's what the month of June's been about. You'll see behind us, the whole month of June's about the Word of God. The Word of God is living, it's active, it will transform your life. Here's the thought that I want you to get today. In order to know God and to be equipped for what God has called you to be, You've got to understand that Jesus shows who he is through his word. If you want to know God and you want to be equipped for what God has called you to do, then you've got to know the word. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you were asked to do something and you are not equipped for the task? How many of y'all have ever been asked to do something and you are not equipped? I mean, all of a sudden, you get thrown into something, and all of a sudden, you realize, man alive, I am over my head. Well, I, I brought something with me today. I, I brought my snow skiing boots. One of the things our family loves to do, uh, 
we, we love to snow ski, and every year we spend a week snow skiing, and man, it, we're, we're blessed that we get to do an adaptive ski program that uh, they bring professional skiers in from all around the world, in the United States rather, and Emily even gets to ski with a person who invented the ski, sit ski. I mean, it's incredible. We love to be able to ski, but but my very first ski adventure was this. I was a student pastor, and I took a group of students to Snowshoe, West Virginia. I have never put a pair of skis on, Pastor Ken. I had never skied in my life. You know what I learned? It's a lot harder to ski than you think. You know, growing up in uh, Chattanooga, you know, I... I I was water skiing since a young age. I thought, man, if I can water ski, surely I can snow ski. Well, I, I learned a very hard lesson. I was not equipped for what I was about to experience. When we took those students, we, you know, they take you through that first hour class. You know, they tell you how to wedge so you can stop just a little bit. You know, it's kind of a a joke class, and they tell you how to get back up when you fall. And Amy and I took it with all the students. I mean, nobody. I mean, none of our students have ever skied. I mean, it was brand new for all of us, but man, let's go do this thing. So we took our little lesson. We go down the bunny slope a couple of times. One of our friends said, hey, let's go down this slope. It'll cut us all the way across the mountain, and we'll end up way at this ski lift over here. Well, remember, two things I'm afraid of. First thing, you know, I'm afraid of dogs. Second thing, y'all know, I'm a, I am incredible. I, I cannot tell you how afraid I am of heights. So my fear has always been when I get on that ski lift, what in the world am I going to just, I mean, I have a panic attack, you know, when I start going up. Never ski. Took that little lesson. Down the mountain we go. Or I really wouldn't say down the mountain. I would say fall down the mountain. I, I think the, the first time uh, down the slope, halfway down that trail, I think Amy got the maddest at me in the 24 years that we've been married. I mean, she looked at me and said, how dare you make me do this? This is torture. I will, didn't you, Amy? I mean, she's sitting there halfway crying. We're falling. It's miserable. But we hadn't got to the experience yet. We finally made it down to the bottom. Then it was time to get to the ski lift. First time doing the ski lift. You know, you know, here it comes down. It just circles around. All you got to do when this thing comes, you just comes around. You just sit on it, nothing to it. So, you know, here I am up there. I got my poles. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this and not fall in the ski line. You know, you're trying to do all that. You know, it's you, you go and you stand at the marker and, and that chair's coming around. Now it's your turn. You need to scoot up, scoot up, scoot up, scoot up. Here's a chair coming. Here's a chair coming. Here's a chair coming. But on this lift, it just wasn't an ordinary lift. It wasn't a lift that just kind of took off like this. When that chair came around, it hit you. It took off. Off pretty fast, pretty fast in the air, you know? So here that ski lift coming. My heart's beating a thousand beats a minute. I've never been on a ski lift. I didn't know what the experience. I didn't know if I was going to pass out, if I was going to panic, what was going to happen. I mean, the chairlift's coming, 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 coming. Here it comes around. Amy is there. She's ready. She's all cool, calm, collected. I'm in a panic. I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to pass out? I'm going to have a panic attack. What's going to happen? Here comes the lift. Here comes the lift. And the next thing you know, I fall as a lift and I go underneath the chair. Did I not? 
the chair's coming, I fall. I go underneath the chair, and the only thing I know how to do is I'm falling on the ground, I'm underneath the chair. All I have to do is take both my arms and reach back and grab the seat of the chair. So I grabbed the seat of the chair. The guy's there just working. on. he's a kid, you know, 18 years old. They're paying $6.25 an hour to be there. So he's not really paying attention that much. So I, here I go, and the chairlift takes off. And here I'm going. You know, I start going like this, and I'm going, and I'm holding onto this chair. <laughs> Next thing you know, they finally stop it. You know, when they stop at the... The chair swinging. So here is your pastor holding on the bottom side of this chair, and I am swinging back and forth, dangling in the air. What is Amy doing? Screaming at the top of her lungs. I think everybody in Snowshoe, West Virginia, can hear Amy scream. She's screaming, I'm panicking, I don't know what to do. I'm dangling off the bottom of a ski lift. I'm holding on for dear life. You know, have you ever seen one of those movies, you know, in the one the little finger starts to slip, the next finger starts to slip, the next finger starts to slip. So I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm going to die right here off this ski lift. They stop, they bring all the rescue crew, they come and... I was not equipped for the moment. <laughs> Here's what I know, though. Most of you got the ski boots of life on. You got your poles. You're just scooting through life. You wake up one day, you're trying to make it, you know, you're in the same habit, you're doing the same thing, you get up at the same time, you eat the same breakfast meal every morning, same oatmeal, the same amount of cinnamon on the oatmeal. But you're not equipped. Why are we spending one month Talking about the Bible. Here's our key te- takeaway. Look at it. Come up on the screen. Here's a key takeaway. Can you turn that slide for me? Here's the key takeaway. I can only know God. And I can only be equipped as he shows himself to me in the word. Can y'all flip that screen for me? Thank you. I can only know God. And can, I can only be equipped as he shows himself to me in the Bible. Here's the sad commentary. We're on the ski lift of life as that chair is coming. Most of the time, when the circumstances come to us, we are not equipped for the moment. We're not equipped for the moment because we haven't been equipped in the Word. If you have your Bibles, turn them in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is the Apostle Paul equipping Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is the Apostle Paul, and he is equipping Timothy for the task and the call of God. And as a matter of fact, he said, hey, Timothy, if you're going to be 
fully equipped to be the man of God that God has called you to be, then you have got to be equipped in the Word of God. We have got to know and we've got to be equipped and we do that as He reveals Himself in the Scripture. May I ask you a question? As Paul is writing Timothy, this young brother in Jesus, and Paul is mentoring Timothy, and I, I think it's such a, a biblical thing that one, a, a more mature person, the Lord is mentoring somebody else. I firmly believe, I mean, praise God, over these last 12 weeks, we've seen right at 100 people get saved in 12 weeks. But you know what I believe? These 100 people that have been saved in these last 12 weeks, I believe every one of them that are getting saved, we should be able to mentor them. We should have somebody that is coming alongside of them and mentoring them in the faith and growing them in the faith and teaching them how to share the gospel, teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to study God's Word. Do y'all agree with that? All right, thank you. You just signed up for our mentor program. Thank you. <laughs> so what's happened? Paul is mentoring Timothy, and look what he says. Can, can we just start 2 Timothy chapter 3? Let's start with verse 1, uh, because y'all agreed with me, and I agreed that we're in the last days. Look what he says. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Are we lovers? Are men lovers of themselves? Yes or no? What's the second one? Lovers are money. Are we in love with money? Yeah, just take it away. We'll fall apart. Are people boasters? Proud? Blasphemers? Oh, what about this next one? Do you see children disobedient to their parents? Can we just go to Walmart? Do I have a testimony? Can you just go to Walmart and watch that parent tell that kid they can't get the Reese's peanut butter cup? Disobedient. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanders without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying his power. And for such people turn away. Would y'all not agree this describes our day that we're living in? So the question is, are we just going to talk about it or are we going to be equipped? Well, let's be equipped. Look, jump on down. Look at verse number 12. Paul writing Timothy. Paul sitting in prison. Verse 12. Yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let's camp there just a moment in verse 12. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. What is the result of us living godly in Christ Jesus according to verse 12? What are we going to suffer? What does this say? Y'all can talk about it to me. When we live a godly life, what are we going to suffer? We're going to suffer what? Persecution, let me tell you, don't let it come to you as any surprise when you're ridiculed, you're made fun of. Uh, parents, don't be surprised when other parents ridicule you for 
the limits that you put on your kids' video games. Don't be surprised when you're ridiculed what movies you allow your children to watch. Don't be surprised, parents, as you dedicate your children, Lord. Don't be surprised as you try to live a life that is godly and raise a home that is godly. Don't be surprised if the world calls that you are just foolish. First Baptist family, if we live a life that is righteous and holy and godly, guess what? We're going to live in persecution. Look at verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let me tell you, we have so many imposters today. We have so many false cults, and they're all around as a matter of fact, our, our West Campus that I just left a couple of moments ago, our West Campus is right next to a cult. As a matter of fact, I guarantee you, there's probably several of you that live next to people that have been deceived. Why is it so important that the Word of God equips us? If we don't know the Word of God, then we don't know what a counterfeit is. The people that didn't understand what the real thing is, then they fall, fall to something called the Mormon church. Can anybody tell me who was the founder of the Mormon church? His name was what? Joseph Smith. Does anybody know how old he was? How old was Joseph Smith when he received this supposedly vision? 24 years of age. Joseph Smith, listen to me, Joseph Smith was 24 years of age, and all of a sudden he says that an angel came to him, and this, this angel all of a sudden led me, and led me some golden tablets, and I couldn't read the golden tablets, and he gave me some special glasses so then I could read the golden tablets that nobody else, and they said, who else has ever seen those golden tablets? Have the golden tablets that Joseph Smith and the Mormon church have built all their faith upon. Has anybody ever seen the golden tablets? No. Has anybody ever seen the glasses that he said that he had in order to read the golden tablets that nobody else could ever read? 24 years of age, 14 years later, he was dead. He was killed. But what did they do? They said, you know what? There is a word, they said, that is outside the Scripture that we're going to follow. Let me tell you, and I want you to hear me first, Baptist, Daytona Beach. This word is absolutely complete, and we need no other revelation outside of the Word of God. And anybody tells you they have a revelation outside the Word of God, it is from the pit of hell. It is not of God. Run and flee. We will not go there. There's not another revelation. There's not another word. Everything that you need, you hold right here in your hand. It is complete. In order for you to know God and to be equipped by God, you've got to understand the person of Almighty God, and you understand that through God's Word because God wrote a book, and He only wrote one book. Can we talk about Ellen White just a moment? What happened to Ellen White? Ellen White had a, supposedly a vision. 
And through all of these visions, she got a new revelation of God. And what do people do? Let's read this verse again. I want you to see this. Verse 13. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Whether it's to Joseph Smith and Ellen White. Let me tell you, I was at the Poor Orange. We were here just a couple of weeks, and we were at Poor Orange at the Spring Festival or something, and we, our church had a booth there. And as a matter of fact, uh, for the Fall Festival of Port Orange, we're going to need some of your help. We're going to have a couple of booths at Port Orange. I mean, the whole city of Port Orange comes to the Fall Festival. As a matter of fact, they've asked us, the city of Port Orange have asked us that we will be the one that will do the church service on that Sunday morning for all of Port Orange as they're out there. So on Sunday morning for Fall Festival days... Early that morning, somewhere in that morning schedule, I'm going to be preaching, and we're going to be preaching the whole city of Port Orange, and we're going to tell them salvation is found in one person, and that person is the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to tell them every soul of Volusia County matters. You might have had an earthly father that said you don't matter, but I guarantee you all of us have a heavenly father that says we matter. But we got to do in, in our community, we got to tell them about Jesus. Because you know what? As I was there for Port Orange Spring Days, Amy and I are there and our family, we're handing out stuff. The next thing I know, a guy comes to me, pulls out a thing out of his pocket and said, can I tell you something else? I'm a part of something. He's a part of what's called the Hebrew root. This man started going, oh, no, a part of the Hebrew root, and this is what you got to do. It's just Jesus is not enough that you got to obey all of the commandments. you got to do all the Old Testament stuff. you got to do all this stuff. He had all these pamphlets. He's going through the, all of the community there at the Spring Festival days, handed all this stuff out, telling us wrong, we're wrong and all that. We got some friends from Chattanooga, Phil and Catherine. We watched... Our two families watched one of our dearest friends, one of our dearest families that was sit about where we sat every week and we feel, Catherine, who got messed up in the Hebrew roof, and we watched them just get ripped away from church because of it. And we have cried over and we have wept over their souls, and we still do. We still keep in contact, our kids do, with them. Because you know what? They were being deceived by something that was not right. Can I tell you, when somebody adds something outside of Scripture or takes Scripture and twists it, run and flee, you're being deceived. It is not of God. So what do we do? Well, let's look what it says. Verse 14, 13, evil imposters. Let me tell you, as you're watching TV, I don't care if you're watching one of our Christian networks, and for whatever reason, we got a lot of Christian networks in our community. Just because they say they're a Christian, don't believe everything they say. Scripture says, test the spirit and see if it's of God or not. We got a lot of imposters. Verse 14. Paul telling Timothy what to do. But you must continue 
and the things which you have learned. Do you see that word continue? Will you mark that word continue? It's a rather unique word in Greek. That word continue is just not found in this text of Scripture. As a matter of fact, that word continue is found over a hundred times just in the New Testament. Verse 14, but you must continue. That word continue means you must remain. You must abide. It's the same word that we see in John chapter 15 about abiding in Christ. It is saying, hey, Paul is sitting in prison telling Timothy, his young preacher boy, hey, Timothy, I want you to continue. I want you to abide. I want you to remain in the things which you have learned. Look what it goes on to say in verse 14. And be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15, let's process verse 15. And that from childhood. Hey, parents, when's the time to start teaching your, your family God's Word? Childhood. First Baptist family, we want the children that are sitting in our nursery right now we want them hearing the Word of God. I don't believe you got to wait till you're three or four years old before you start teaching a child the ways of God and God's Word. Listen to me, First Baptist family. We're going to commit that when every child is on our campus, we are not about babysitting. We are not a babysitting service in our, in our bed babies. Our bed babies can hear, Jesus loves me. Our bed babies can hear Scripture prayed over them. Our bed babies can hear the stories of Almighty God's Word. You might say, but Eric, they're only three months old. But you know what? At three months old, let's teach them from the very beginning. Why is this so important? And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Let's pray that these children, let's pray the children that call First Baptist home, let's pray that they can say, I learned the Holy Scriptures as a child. First Baptist, what does it matter if we teach them the latest game, the latest activity, but we're not teaching them the Word of God that will transform their life. They will not know God, and they will not be equipped for what God has for them if they don't know the Word of God. Childhood. How important is childhood? Well, let's just do a survey across our church family. If you accepted the Lord before you are before you are 21 years of age, if you got saved before you were 21 years of age, will you stand up for me? If you accept the Lord before you're 21. All right, somebody tell me, what percent is this? What, what do they say? 80, 80 to 85% of the people accept the Lord before they're 18. Would you know, I would say by just a quick glance, we're pretty typical, aren't we? All right, you can be seated. If you accepted the Lord over the age of 21, stand up. Wow, praise God You be seated. I want you to write this down. I want you to write two things down. 
write the number 14 slash 21. 14 slash 21. You might say, Pastor Eric, why do you want us to write this down? Here's a reason why. 14 slash 21. Just follow me just a moment. Don't lose me on this. Over the last 10 to 15 years in missions, we have been focused on what's called the 1040 window. How many of y'all have heard of the 1040 window? The 1040 window, that's where with the International Mission Board and Amy and I and Lowell and Denise, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention all this last week, but the 1040 window is that region of the world where such a majority of the population of the world lives, and we've put most of our mission emphasis in that part of the world because most of them have never heard the name of Jesus. They have, a lot of them don't have a Bible in their language. We've been putting a lot of emphasis there. But in the United States of America, I, I believe there's growing a new emphasis, and I put 1421, focusing in on reaching the students that are 14 to 21 years of age in America. Just like we've been focused in on, and we've put so many resources reaching the 1040 window. First Baptist family, we have got to put our resources in the children, and we've got to put our resources in our teenagers that we reach them from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have got to continue to put the importance on those children and upon those teenagers that we filled them with the word of God, that they are equipped for the task that God has called them to do. It's what Paul's telling Timothy back in verse 15, and from your childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. What do the Holy Scriptures do? Somebody read ahead in verse 15. What do the Holy Scriptures do for us? Which are able to make you what? Wise. As the devil is throwing all these fiery darts at us, we got to be wise. And how are we wise? Paul's telling Timothy, the Scripture. That make you wise for the salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse number 16, and I want you to write this down. Number one. Number one. We're just getting started, but I'll be quick. I'm having fun. Number one, write this down. The nature of the Bible. This is a beautiful text of Scripture. As a matter of fact, this is probably one of the clearest places in the Bible that it tells us the inspiration of the Scripture and the application of the Bible. You're going to see in verse 16 the inspiration of the Bible. In verse 17, you see the application. You really see Paul telling Timothy and marries these two things together real quickly. What does he say at the beginning of verse 16? All Scripture is given by what? inspiration of God. Write this down. What is the nature of the Bible? Write these four words down. The nature of the Bible is, number one, it is inspired. What does that mean, inspiration of God? It very simply means that God's Word is God-breathed. That is the very best translation of it. All Scripture is given by inspiration. That All Scripture is God-breathed. It means when you're reading God's Word that it is God's 
breath to you. It means when your Bible is sitting on your shelf that it is God-breathed. It means when you are obeying God's Word that it is God-breathed. It means when you are disobeying God's Word, it is God-breathed. It means when you are believing God's Word, it is God-breathed. It means when you are not believing God's Word, it is God-breathed. Can I tell you, my church family, this book that you hold in your hand, it is inspired and it is God-breathed. Second word, plenary, plenary. All the Bible is inspired. Plenary, if I can say that right, plenary. All the Bible is inspired. It is full and it is complete. That is a very important thing to know. We don't want to be like Thomas Jefferson. Do you remember Thomas Jefferson that we studied in our History class had a great influence on our nation. Have any of y'all ever seen a Thomas Jefferson Bible? Can I tell you what Thomas Jefferson did with the Bible? He did not take this second step and said that all the Bible is inspired. So what did Thomas Jefferson do? Thomas Jefferson took a pair of scissors out, and every time he read something that he disagreed with, every time he thought something was inspired, he cut it out of the Bible. So guess what Thomas Jefferson did in the Thomas and Jefferson Bible? I mean, there are chunks and chunks and chunks and chunks of the Bible missing because if he didn't like it, he just cut it out. May I ask you a question, my First Baptist family? Do we have a right to remove anything? No. It's all inspired. Third word, I want you to write this down. It is inerrant. It is perfect without error. Fourth word I want you to write down. It is superintended. You might say, Pastor Eric, I really don't get what you're saying by superintended. Let me tell you what happened. God superintended and made the whole process of the Scripture coming to us and superintended it so it would come to us in a way that is perfect. So God oversaw the transmission of the Word of God from generation to generation. So the book that you hold in your hand, that it is perfect, it is God-breathed, it is inspirational, it is transformational what you hold in your hand. All Scripture. The nature of the Bible. Write this second thing down real. The Bible is complete. The completeness of the Bible. As a matter of fact... Three different times in the Bible, it gives us a warning. Whatever you do, do not add and do not take away from the Bible. As a matter of fact, we see in Deuteronomy at the beginning, we see in the middle in the book of Proverbs, and we see the Bible in in the book of Revelation. And as you read those texts of Scripture, it almost says the same thing. The same warning is given to us three different times. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, Deuteronomy 4, verses Two, Deuteronomy 12, verse 32, Revelation 22, 18 through 19. Every time it tells us the same thing in these three warnings throughout the Scripture, from the beginning to the middle to the end, whatever you do, do not add or take away from the Scripture. So next time they knock on your door and they say, we have another testimony of God. Are you going to believe it? Are you going to believe it? No. What you hold in your hand is 
complete. Do not add, do not take away. We're not going to be Thomas Jefferson. Number three, write this third thing down. How do we understand the Bible? Have you ever met somebody? We said, it's perfect, it's inspired, but I don't understand it. Let me give you three words, and I want you to write these things. This is very important. Number word, number one, salvation. You will not understand Scripture until you're saved. Turn in your Bibles. Hold this place right here. I want you to see this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And you're going to see this. The natural man that is not saved, they do not have a discerning spirit and they cannot understand God's Word. That's when you hear somebody spouting off at the mouth, well, about Scripture. And if they're not saved, they can't understand it because the natural man cannot understand the spiritual things. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 4. Until a person is saved... They are the natural man, and they cannot understand spiritual things. So quit trying to expect a lost person to understand spiritual things. They can't understand it. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You cannot understand God's Word until you are saved. Second thing right now, write the word Spirit. The Spirit. It is one of the roles that the Spirit, and we're going to be dealing with this in the month of July, the, the, the role of the Spirit. The Spirit of the living God empowers us, enables us, so we can understand Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. God places the Holy Spirit of God. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and because we're sealed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, God has given us the Holy Spirit to be our helper so we can understand God's Word. Third thing, we got to study it. Knowing God's Word is hard work. How many of you have ever prayed to God when you're about to have a final exam? How many of you have ever placed a book over your head and you slept and said, Dear Jesus, let the words of this book go in my mind as I sleep tonight. I mean, have you ever put it under your pillow? How many of you have ever, you know, you're studying, next thing you know, you're sleeping, you're drooling all over that book, and you're saying, Oh, God, move these words from this book into my mind. It doesn't work that way. And if this word is going to be in you, 
You got to study. That's why the scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show yourself approved. Can I tell you, you meet that person, you think, man, they are like a walking Bible. They know it. They became a walking Bible, not because they just put it underneath their pillow. They studied it and they sweated over it and they poured their heart and their mind and their soul into it. If you're going to know the word of God, you got to jump into it. So what's the purpose of the Bible? Number four, and I'm done. What's the purpose of it? Well, let me give it to you. Look back at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Here we go. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. Here's the purpose. For doctrine, write this down. What's the purpose of the Bible? It should come up on the screen. Number four, the purpose of the Bible, number one, to teach. The Bible teaches us. The word used here has often been translated in doctrine means teaching. Second thing that God's word does for us, it reproofs us. What does that reproof mean? That it provides, that it, it steps in to our life and stops us in our tracks so we will do what is right. It corrects us. God's word reproofs us. God's word tells us, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Don't do that. Look at the third thing, straight from the text. I'm lifting it straight from the text. Prophet for doctrine, for proof, for correction. That it provides for us how to make the right response. It corrects us. It guides us. You know, sometimes as a family, we'll go bowling. And, you, you know, man, I grew up bowling. I love to bowl. My father-in-law's a great bowler. But when you bowl, sometimes for Emily, we'll put the bumpers up. Have you ever put the bumpers up? I love bowling with the bumpers because you never throw it in the gutter. You might bounce it around a little bit. But God's Word for us, it tells us that it is profitable for correction. It's the bumpers. It keeps us... Between the gutters. Look at the fourth thing. Straight from this text of Scripture, it says, instructions in righteousness. It trains in righteousness. Why is this all this happening? To know God and to be equipped by God, you got to be in the Word of God. Look what verse 17 says, and I'm done. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped. That word equipped means that you are, that he is completely fit you, like when you're tailoring a suit. You go tailor a suit and they tailor it to fit you. Can I tell you, God's word is our tailor. God's word fits us and equips us for every good work. So here's my question. The ski lift is coming around. If we're going to be equipped so we're not underneath the chair, you don't want to be there. Been there, done it. If you don't want to be hanging on the bottom of it, been there. You don't want to be there. If you don't want to be dangling the air and swinging back and forth as they call the rescue squad to get you down. 
you don't want to be there. You got to be equipped in the Word. You might say, Pastor Eric, what's the invitation? Here's the invitation. First of all, to understand this, you've got to be saved. There's somebody sitting out here, you're not saved. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to Christ. We're going to have the invitation. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. The pastors are going to be down front. If you are not saved, I mean the moment we stand to sing, you walk down here and say, Pastor Eric, I'm not saved. You might say, Pastor Eric, I don't understand this. I, I, I'm just here to sit with my father today. I'm just, I just walked in from off the streets. I don't understand. If you don't understand, just come to one of these pastors and say, man, I don't understand this, but I, I know I'm missing something. If you're not saved, the moment we stand to sing, you come. What about you, Christ followers? In order to be equipped in this book, you got to walk in the Spirit. Here's the invitation for you. The moment that we stand, I want you to come and respond and say, Pastor Eric, and you come kneel at this altar and say, but I'm going to walk in the Spirit of God that I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For some of you, you need to make the commitment today. Christ followers, this is your day. Say, if I'm going to be equipped for every good work, then I've got to study it. I'm making a commitment. I'm going to study it, and I'm going to know it. What's the Lord asking of you? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom in this service this day. But Lord, quite frankly... Many of us are not equipped for the ski lift of life. Lord, for some in this room, they they feel like they're underneath the chair right now. For some, they feel like they're just grabbing the back of that chair to hold on to it. Lord, for some in this room, they feel like they're barely hanging on there. Lord, I pray in this room that we will know, in order to know you, in order to be equipped, we must know your word and believe it. And Lord, in order to understand this, we've got to be saved that Jesus Christ, that you died for our sins, that you came back to life, that you'll transform us through the power of your might and your strength. God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that seals our salvation. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is our helper that teaches the Word. God, I pray that we will study it. That we will jump into your Word. That we will embrace it. Because as God breathed, it's life changing. Christ's name. Amen. Here's the invitation. I'm inviting you to Jesus. You might say, Pastor Eric, I I don't understand all this about the Bible. You know what? Why don't you come? Somebody will sit down and talk to you about it. If you're not saved, one day every single one of us will give an account. We will stand before God. We're either going to stand before God as a child of God or we're going to stand before Him condemned forever. I mean, the moment when we stand, why don't you come and give your life to Jesus?
Why don't you, Christ follower, come and say, I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to live out Galatians chapter 5. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be led in the Spirit. I want the fruit of the Spirit to be in me. Why don't you today, Christ follower, make a decision. I'm going to study this Word. I'm going to put my sweat in it. I'm going to put my tears in it. I'm going to bury my soul in it. Why? So I'll be equipped for every good work. I don't want to be hanging off that ski lift. I want to be riding it for the good works that God's prepared. Let's stand to our feet. Pastor Ken's leading us. The pastors are down front. Right now, don't wait a second. Move right now. Come on. Come and accept Christ.